You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Injuries look like they will remain an obstacle for the Chicago Bears to beat the Minnesota Vikings on Monday. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Today's podcast is brought to you by Pepsi. No matter how you watch football during this COVID season, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. On the show today, we'll check in on the health of this Bears roster, both from a physical injury and a COVID-19 standpoint, with more than a dozen players on the initial injury report, albeit a later week of practice with the Monday night game. Then we'll put together a game plan for both sides of the ball, how this Bears offense can try and get somewhere back on track, try and get some kind of offensive production together, against a struggling Minnesota Vikings defense and what this Bears defense needs to do to at least live with Dalvin Cook and force Kirk Cousins to maybe make a few mistakes to be the difference in this game. By now, we were expecting to maybe have at least a couple more Bears players off of the reserve COVID-19 list, But so far, it's been a challenge getting those guys back and approved to be back at practice. They finally got Dion Bush back in the team on Thursday. And of course, earlier this week, the right tackle Jason Spriggs was activated. But for now, Cody Whitehair still on the COVID list. Backup offensive lineman Lechavius Simmons still on the COVID list as well. And of course, Javon Wims also still suspended at this point. So it leaves some question marks about what this Bears offensive line is going to look like, especially as the injury report continues to uh, leave some real concern about who's going to be able to start. Because once again, backup center Sam Mustafer, who had been starting in place of Cody Whitehair, he missed practice on Thursday with a knee injury. And even Jason Spriggs, who's coming off of the COVID list, also missed practice on Thursday with a knee injury. So... That's two potential starters that you'd like to have back this week, and presumably you feel like you should not starting out the week on the right foot. And it's just the first day of practice. It's possible they could improve as the week goes on and be ready to roll on Sunday. Spriggs, I think, more likely to play than Mustafa, given their respective injury situations. But both kind of remain a mystery and leaves some things up in the air as far as what position Rashad Coward is going to end up playing on Sunday, maybe even what position Alex Barr's ends up playing on Sunday. Not a, not an auspicious start for this offensive line, but a lot of other guys on this injury list with some real concern here. Of course, Trubisky with the shoulder injury remains out. Uh, David Montgomery is in the concussion protocol. We kind of knew about that. Matt Nagy revealed earlier that Sherrick McManus broke a finger, and he was he is now out with that. Cole Komet missed practice completely with a groin injury. John Jenkins still out with an ankle. 
And then some non-injury veteran days off for Jimmy Graham, Akeem Hicks, and Danny Trevathan. Plus, you had four guys limited, four key contributors to Sean Gibson at safety, limited with a foot injury, Allen Robinson limited with a knee injury, Roquan Smith limited with a back injury, and Barcavius Mingo limited with a shoulder injury. At least those four guys, given the fact that they're limited, we should be able to assume they'll be good to go on Monday night. But it, it's a question of maybe how close to 100% they'll actually be. So it's like across the board there at every significant position, it feels like you've got injured Chicago Bears players plus a couple of guys still dealing with COVID. The good thing, I guess, you could try and take away from it is other than the offensive line, it doesn't seem to be too concentrated at any one position where you're not going to necessarily challenge your depth anywhere up front. You know, it's one of your safeties and one of your running backs and one of your outside linebackers, one of your receivers, both of your inside linebackers, but one of them is just kind of a, a resting day off. Same with tight end with Jimmy Graham and, and Akeem Hicks. But in terms of like actual injuries, it's just kind of a guy here and a guy there. And they're touching on every position, but it's not like they're scraping at the bottom of the roster across the board there, the same way that they have been at offensive line. So presumably a, a few of those guys should be fine and should be back to go this week. And especially the bigger name important ones like Allen Robinson, Roquan Smith, etc. Those guys seem like in the best position to come back. But really it's a question of can Montgomery get through his concussion protocol or will they be able to call up Lamar Miller this week? Who's going to be available on the offensive line? We keep hammering home there. The tight end spot with Cole Komet, he kind of missed some practices last week but was still able to go on Sunday, just largely ineffective like we had seen from him for the rest of the season. And this defensive line, John Jenkins was out last week. Roy Robertson-Harris now on injured reserve, so the team brought in Anthony Rush. They had already called up Daniel McCullers from the practice squad last week. They could kind of opt to do that same thing again, but this defensive line depth has been phenomenal this season and ready and willing to step in and play at a, a pretty quality level. So overall, I guess it's it's a concern with the injury spots, but outside of the offensive line, I don't think it's time to panic anywhere else until we see the rest of the week go by in practices and kind of see, okay, just how bad is this situation with so many guys banged up? It's going to take their best efforts to get back in the win column and beat the Minnesota Vikings at home on Monday night, but it's doable. The Vikings are not a top-quality opponent, but the Bears have their own challenges to overcome. We'll take a look at what this offense can do against a struggling Vikings defense next on Locked On Bears. There's nothing quite like primetime football on a Monday night, even if we're limited to our couches instead of Soldier Field or even no crowded bars or anything like that with COVID-19. But don't worry, Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. This is not the strong, feared Minnesota Vikings defense we've been used to under head coach Mike Zimmer. Clearly, lost a lot of talent over the offseason and even a little bit in 
the season so far. I mean, injuries have been a part of that. Anthony Barr on injured reserve, Mike Hughes, a couple of other kind of key guys. George Aloka in the secondary, Daniil Hunter. It, it, they are they are banged up and also short on cash and short on investments in some of those positions. And they've given up a lot of points. It's the type of matchup where the sh- the Bears should be able to have offensive success. The problem is we said a lot of the same thing last week about the Tennessee Titans defense with very little pass rush and starting a bunch of nobodies in the secondary. Things that are, are supposed to be easy or should go well for the Bears this season have been difficult to go well. And as of late, a, a lot of that issue has been the offensive line. And like we talked about with the injuries and COVID, it's a little bit hard to know what offensive line the Bears are going to have on Sunday. But in theory, they could have guys that are a little bit more experienced. But if they start moving players around again, you're going to lose a little bit of that whatever cohesion they may have started to build last week against the Titans. So obviously, first and foremost in the game plan, much like last week, help the offensive line. And we saw efforts in that regard against the Titans, You know, especially in that first half The Bears came out with a lot of play action, a lot of rollouts, trying to do some different things to keep pass rushers from having the same sort of normal lanes to get after the quarterback. It kind of vanished a little bit by the time the second half had come around, and that's when the offensive line really started struggling, but it it was at least an effort, and obviously want to try and do some very similar things this week, but I'd also maybe like to see a little bit more help from running backs and tight ends staying in for pass protection. You know, like last week, the Bears had 59 passing plays, and David Montgomery pass-blocked on nine of them. Jimmy Graham pass-blocked on four of them, and Cole Komet was in on eight of them, sometimes at the same time. But we're we're talking a a relatively low percentage there of pure pass-blocking help from extra blockers. Still trying to go with five-man protections a little bit more often than you'd like to see. More, More chipping more just complete protections in that regard. Not always max protect with two receivers, but against this Viking secondary, you might be able to get away with a little bit more of that. To some extent, Nick Foles, it it sounds counterintuitive, but he needs to trust his offensive line a little bit more. And I realize that he has very little reason to trust his offensive line, but even last week we were seeing him seeing ghosts, feeling ghosts in the pocket sometimes, when they weren't there, where he'd throw off balance when the pressure wasn't actually bearing down on him, but started to feel like, oh no, this offensive line, there's no way it can hold up any longer than this. I got to get rid of the ball. And that seems like generally a smart strategy to try and get rid of it quickly. Yes, but it was to the point where he was rushing it so much that it was affecting his accuracy on some throws that he should hit. So like, I almost want to tell Nick Foles, like maybe take a hit. You know, hold on to it a, a half a second longer. You'll be all right. I mean, you're you're an experienced NFL quarterback. You've been hit before. You're going to hit again, and just please don't fumble. But otherwise, you know, give the offensive line a little bit of benefit of the doubt. And if you start getting your butt kicked all game, then yeah, then you can start feeling some of those ghosts because then the offensive line will have proved it. But I guess be as patient as you can while also not intentionally, like, trying to hold on to the ball too long. You know, like I think things like having a better running game would help, but you don't necessarily need that in order for play action to still be effective. The, the data has shown out over the years that the success of the running game does not have any impact on how well or how effective play action is to help with the actual passing game. And, 
there should be a little bit more room to run against this Vikings defensive line, but again, it comes down to what kind of consistency the Bears can get from those guys up front, and there's not really a scheme solution to making offensive line run block better. You can't just, there's no rollouts and play action and stuff for, for the running game. Although I think from a passing game standpoint, you, you just want to keep the opposing pass rush from being able to know exactly where their rush lanes are going to be and to just straight rush after the quarterback. You know, like one thing I'd like to see is maybe even a little bit more pre-snap motion in terms of guys coming through the backfield, just so you kind of get defenders' eyes following, Is it whether it's Darnell Mooney cutting through or Cordero Patterson or whoever, even if you're not even faking a full-on jet sweep or reverse or end around or anything, just kind of giving them something else to look at and something else to think about can give your offensive lineman that extra half a second of advantage to you know, brace for that contact, get their hands in the right position, and maybe just maybe give Nick Foles more time to throw. But I think to some extent, you just need to keep it close enough on the scoreboard. Some of that comes back to the defense as well. But don't get so far behind on the scoreboard that you have to pass over and over again so then the defense can just pass rush and get after you. That's kind of a recipe for success or for failure. But you also can't have the same penalties giving you these long down and distance situations that are really hard to overcome with a, a bad offensive line. Because, like, these Vikings cornerbacks are weak. I mean, they're, they're playing mostly rookies and then some real bottom-of-the-roster journeyman guys. So, Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney should be able to get open fairly easily, especially, you know, you just kind of need the Bears to have a little bit of time to throw. There should be plays of these receivers getting open. But I think you'll see a coach like Mike Zimmer counter with you know more of his double a gap looks with two linebackers hovering right over the center and kind of bring pass rushers from some different places try and challenge this Bears offensive line from a communication standpoint in addition to just like the technique and execution failures so I I really think I've been hammering it all podcast but like this offensive line is the biggest matchup and biggest keys to this game because I think otherwise this Bears offense should have the advantage and to some extent, this Bears defense shouldn't have too much trouble doing its job. Dalvin Cook is still going to be a really big challenge, but they might be able to live with him in the running game. We'll look at what we can expect from the Minnesota offense and what this Bears defense should do to slow them down next on Locked On Bears. After the way the Bears' defense shut down Derrick Henry last week, you can see where it'd be easy to be confident in them being able to do the same thing with Dalvin Cook. Although, Dalvin Cook is coming off of a literal 200-yard game last week against the Lions, and he was over 130 the week before that against the Packers, so he's pretty hot right now. He's been a monster. And so, I mean, I still have some confidence in this Bears' defense trying to slow him down, but I also think it's a little bit of a different style of matchup with Cook versus Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry more of the physical downhill north-south speed runner in that regard and not so much the shifty, explosive, short area quickness guy, whereas that's more of Dalvin Cook's game. And so you saw last week Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith could kind of just go hit their gaps and attack downhill and didn't have to worry about Derrick Henry bouncing outside and getting to the edge and the sideline in the same way. And that's not to take anything away from Derrick Henry's talent. It's just his skill set is different. Whereas Cook 
can be a little bit more shifty and a little bit harder to contain in that regard. And we've seen this Bears defense struggle with that C word in particular. Contain on the edges has been a challenge. So you can't let Dalvin Cook break away for the big, you know, 50-yard chase down type plays. You got to tackle him. You got to wrap. When you get your hands on him, you got to wrap him up. If, if the Bears can do that, they will be just fine. And I think generally they can live with Cook getting some yards. Like, he, he can rush for 100 yards, and I think this Bears defense can still do fine if they hold up in the red zone like they usually have and really hold Kirk Cousins from reaching his recent efficiency. Because I think that's going to be more where this matchup is decided. Because you look at, like, Adam Thielen and the rookie wide receiver Justin Jefferson have both been really solid for this Minnesota Vikings offense. And the matchup with them against Kyle Fuller and Jalen Johnson is going to be a lot of fun. I mean, the rookie versus the rookie and the veteran versus the veteran is cool. But both of those Vikings receivers, they move inside to the slot quite a bit. And I think that's a much more favorable matchup for them against Buster Screen, who's given up the second most coverage yards out of the slot this season. He hasn't been terrible by any means, but just kind of uh, a little more average cornerback play there. And so I don't think this group can play quite as aggressive on the Vikings routes as they were able to last week against the Titans. And even before that with the Saints and Rams, the Bears have had like three straight weeks of offenses that don't take a lot of deep shots, three of the lower percentage of deep shot quarterbacks in the NFL. And this week they play number one. Kirk Cousins takes the most pass attempts of 20 or more yards down the field in the NFL. The shots are spread out regularly through this offense. And so Johnson and Fuller have to be ready for that over-the-top deep stuff because that's that's generally where they want to go, specifically with those two receivers because, like, Kyle Rudolph is not the tight end he once was. And you know, same with even Dalvin Cook in the passing game. They can both catch the ball, but they're not really focal points. They're kind of more the check-down options when the deep passing isn't there. And so from a defensive philosophy standpoint, you want your pass rush to force those checkdowns instead of the deep shots to the wide receivers because it does take time for Thielen and Jefferson to get open, especially against quality cornerbacks on the outside, maybe a little less so in the slot, but then you have Eddie Jackson and Tashawn Gibson helping from the safety position. As we kind of talked about yesterday with Luke Braun from Lockdown Vikings on our Crossover Thursday podcast, this Vikings offensive line is better than it has been in recent years, particularly at the offensive tackle position. Riley Reef and Brian O'Neill have both been playing pretty well and, you know, pose a decent matchup for Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn. Uh, I'm not too worried about Khalil Mack having a bad game by any means, but interesting to see if Robert Quinn steps up. He's, he's had some strong performances against the Vikings in the past on his previous teams, and we'll see if that can translate. But for me, this looks more like the Akeem Hicks kind of game versus Dakota Dozier and Drew Samia, the Vikings guards. You might not have heard of either one of those players, and that's the point. <laughs> I mean, really, that that they're that's where the weaknesses are. And Garrett Bradbury, their center, has had some ups and downs along the way too. So Hicks getting some pressure there. Mario Edwards in this defensive line performance, continuing or defensive line rotation, continuing to play at a high level, and Brent Urban as well. You know, with Roy Robertson Harris on injured reserve now, it's going to be a little bit more opportunity for those guys, even more than we've already seen. Plus, Bilal Nichols filling in at nose tackle. He got in on some of the sack action last week. So it's like those guys on the interior, almost more so than the edge guys, need to step up against this more favorable matchup. But we have seen Chuck Pagano be a little bit more inclined to run stunts. 
And I would, if I'm game planning this pass rush, I'm running those stunts on those tackles so that Khalil Mack can then work inside on the weaker guards and have the defensive linemen kind of crash more so the outside to get your best pass rushers in the best possible matchups to kind of get better leverage, better angle to then get that interior pressure right up in Kirk Cousins' face. Because you may recall, Kirk Cousins has a history of struggling in primetime matchups, particularly on Monday Night Football, and also particularly against the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field. It's, it's sort of the mixture of things that have not gone well for Kirk Cousins. And so, you know, he's had some turnovers this season, nothing crazy, but he'll put the ball in harm's way at times, and it feels like this is the kind of game where if the Bears' front four can get some pressure, you maybe force a turnover here or there, and maybe you get a big special teams play because this, this Vikings kickoff group doesn't get the ball out of the back of the end zone, and Cordell Patterson is going to have some opportunities there. Maybe it's not a full kickoff return touchdown, but you know, a turnover sets up a touchdown for the offense, and a big kickoff return could set up a touchdown for the Bears' offense. You know, you don't necessarily need three touchdowns from Nick Foles if this Bears' defense can kind of get in the head of primetime struggling Kirk Cousins, even if Dalvin Cook has a decent game. I, I still think this is a matchup that the Bears' offense can win if the offensive line does an average job in the pass protection and the ground game, which at this point still feels like it's asking a lot. We'll see if we get any more favorable injury or COVID updates on that group up front or even uh, any practice squad additions like Eric Cush coming in for the O-line or even uh, Lamar Miller coming in at running back. We'll, we'll keep you up to date on Monday's podcast if there's any big developments over the weekend, but otherwise we'll also try and take a look at some mid-season awards for this Bears team. I know they've already had nine games without their bye week yet, but still the mid-season generally for everyone. So we'll kind of take a look at what we can glean from this team so far and, and what we can expect in the second half of the season. So I hope you'll subscribe to Locked On Bears to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. I hope you don't have too much trouble with a weekend of no Bears football, at least not until Monday. And then next weekend, no Bears football at all. So you've got your Sundays a little bit more open. But don't forget to bear down.